0: It really shows your dedication. But don't feel too bad about that. i tell you, I leave, as I said earlier, I leave for India on Tuesday. The expected high in the city of Mova, where we're going, is only 91 degrees. Yeah, buddy, that's the day. It's going to stay warm over there, but it gets cold at night. And uh, weather like this, uh, for me, makes it a little difficult for uh, it feel like Christmas, doesn't it? But it is Christmas. It's the day that we celebrate the birth of Christ, the coming of a Redeemer into the world. It really is a life-changing day in the history of planet Earth when He came here to give us all something that we desperately need. Now, what is it that we all need? It's something we really need. There are a lot of things, but this is something you've got to have, and it's hope, hope. You've got to have hope. One of my favorite movies, I didn't get to watch many Christmas movies this year, but one of my favorite Christmas movies is uh, the uh, movie with Jimmy Stewart on it. It's a Wonderful Life, and I know you either love those things or hate them, but I like that. One of of my favorite lines in that movie comes right after, uh, right near the beginning of it. Clarence, you know, the guy, the angel second class, he is about to get his assignment to go and help uh, this guy who's in trouble and his superior, I haven't figured out yet whether that's to be the Lord or superior angel, but anyway, he says this, you got to go help this guy named George Bailey, and Clarence says, well, what's the matter, is he sick, Uh, you know, what is it? I love the response that he gets, the response is this, no, it's worse than that, he's discouraged, to be discouraged means to be without courage absence of courage no hope I love that line because it is true that discouragement really is to be without hope is really far worse than physical illness in many cases to be without hope I was reading from a report from doctors that were actually involved (coughs) each of them in different wars POWs treating POWs from World War II from Korea and from Vietnam and here's what they said. They, they literally talked about discouragement and gave one case about a, a guy who literally gave up and just died within two weeks. But they all said that some prisoners actually die from a condition of what they called, and they weren't joking now, I'm serious, give up-itis. And what they meant by that was if prisoners face grim enough conditions, hopeless enough conditions, and there's absolutely no prospect of being free then they'll become, some of them will become, if they don't watch it, very demoralized, and they'll become literally mired down in despair, and after a while, some prisoners became apathetic, and they refused food and drink, and they would spend their time in their bunk, whatever that bunk was, just staring out into space, and with hope drained away, with no hope, they eventually just wasted away and would die, now they died of give up-itis. We've we've all seen people do this, haven't we, in our life, if you've lived any length of time. You've seen some people that are physically sick, and, and it looks like at some point the doctors have said, you know, nothing else we can do. And somehow they pull through because they have this fighting spirit. You've seen that. But we've also seen people who were fighting, 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 and then one day they just say, you know what, just forgive it, I'm just giving up. And, uh, that's what Iris just had. <laughs> it's Christmas. So I figure she's trying to get that baby just to quiet down, quiet down. She you know, like, said, it ain't working. She started looking for Mama. Didn't she, Grayson? <laughs> Thank you, Katie. <laughs> Katie's had give up. I just once or twice this year, I'm sure. But all jokes aside, we <laughs> couldn't resist. We literally need... We literally need the human spirit, something within us, needs hope to survive and to thrive. When we're hopeless, one expert said, since my early years as a physician, I learned that taking away hope is for most people like pronouncing a death sentence. Their already pressed, their already hard-pressed will to live can become paralyzed. They'll give up and they'll die. The writers of the Bible recognize this. Over 2,500 years ago they did. King Solomon, just writing in Proverbs chapter 13, says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You hear that? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Another translator put it this way, when hope, I like the way it sounds, when hope is crushed, The heart is crushed. Not surprising. Not surprising at all that if we are created beings, that a God who would create us would put within us a craving for hope. To have to have something more, to want something more. And if you think about it, it's not surprising. It shouldn't be surprising, and it should make perfect sense that that same God who would create us would put within man also not only the the craving for hope, but that he himself would be the source, the ultimate source of hope. You know, the Bible even describes him as the God of all hope. Now, I want you to turn with me, if you will, if you have your Bibles. If you don't, don't worry about it. It's all right. We're glad you're here. Turn to Luke chapter 2, and I want us to hear about how God gave us hope in the birth of Christ doesn't say it here, but this is that famous Christmas story, true story from God's Word about how God saw us in our hopeless condition and sent someone to solve our problems and give us hope. (coughs) Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, and I love this, that's every time an angel, a heavenly messenger, introduces the message of Christ, these are the words that come out of their mouth. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I mean, I don't know why we're so afraid of God. I think of a lot of reasons, but I don't know why we're so afraid. Isn't, isn't it amazing that, like, one of the old hymns talks about why do we linger? It's talking about why we won't come to Christ, and this God who just loves us and just wants to love us. Why do we linger and heed not His, and we would think heed not His warnings. No, it doesn't say that at all. Why do we linger and heed not His mercies? Mercies for you and for me. And if you and I could understand even a little bit about, just if we could feel a little bit about, and we knew the truth about how much. God just loves us. God just loves us. We We wouldn't spend any time running from Him. Amen? We wouldn't. People have misrepresented God so bad. But let's go back to the Scripture and see what the Bible says. Do not be afraid, verse 10. For behold, I bring you what good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, here's what they announced at the birth of Christ. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, peace. Now, you can't have peace without hope. Anybody without hope is, doesn't have any peace. On earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Um, that's God's desire for you. That's God's desire for all of humankind, peace goodwill. The great news of Christmas is this, is that God wants you to experience peace. God wants me to experience it. It's that God has goodwill toward you. Now, you've probably heard all kinds of stuff, but again, I just encourage you to go back to the Scriptures and see what God says and what the Bible says about God, but God has goodwill toward you. God desires you to have a peaceful, hope-filled life because regardless of what you've been told, regardless of what you're thinking, regardless of how you're feeling, Christmas tells you God is for you. God's not against you. You see, God offers a, a hope that is so powerful in the person of Christ that it can it can transform a human life. It can rewrite a person's eternity. But But let me explain this now. God's gift of hope is not what we often think of when we talk about hope. You know, we talk about hope like kind of like for most people hope is something that we do you know i i hope i'm hoping that i get a job i'm i'm hoping that i meet the right person i'm, I'm hoping that i get the right gift you know for christmas but the bible talks not about hope like that when it's talking about god's hope for us the bible is not some sort of sentimental wishing it's not some sort of i believe i can i believe i can i believe i can i believe i can you know if i believe enough it'll happen no 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 The Bible speaks about hope, not as that, but as something we can have. It's something, a gift. It's something that God will give to us. Do you see the difference? Hope is something you can have. You can possess hope. You can own hope. You can grab hold of hope. For someone who follows Jesus Christ, let me give you a good definition of hope. Hope is the confident expectation that God is willing and able. Now, do you see it? Hope is the confident expectation that God is both willing, that He wants to, and that He is able to fulfill the promises that He has made to you. And every time the Bible talks about this hope that we have in Christ, the salvation and the hope that comes with it uh, through Jesus Christ, it always calls it a living hope. Because it's always tied in to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. For instance, Peter wrote in First Peter one, three and four, he wrote this. And and sometimes, you know, I had a guy ask me one time, let me just say this little side thing. Sometimes people are like, Why do you a guy asked me one time, like why do you Christians every time you like you read a verse, you wanna like you say First Peter one, three and four? I think we do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's so that if you're a guest and you don't know your Bible, uh, you could actually look it up in the Bible and see if we're, what we're saying is actually accurate, which is important, very important, very important, because you and I never know whether that guy whether that gal who's up there with a fancy dress or suit on is actually telling you the truth. You've got to see if it's in the Bible. Uh, and that's not only true for those who are visiting church, maybe first-time guest. That ought to be true for every single one of us. We ought to constantly compare what anybody's saying with God's Word. That's so what that does. It gives us kind of a, a reference, a way to check it. We're not trying to show off that we know a lot about the Bible. In fact, I'll be the first to say I need to learn a lot more. But First Peter, the book, it's the first book that Peter wrote. It's in chapter 1 and in verses 3 and 4. Peter says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His, what? Abundant mercy, He has begotten us again, that is, He has raised us, you know, up, notice this, to a living hope. Do you see it? How did He do it? Look at the next few words. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And what did He give us? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have a living hope. Look what the hope is. Number four, verse four. To an inheritance that is what? Incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You see, Jesus Christ, who is God's Son, was born into this world on what we now celebrate as Christmas Day. Probably it wasn't even in the winter because it says the shepherds were out in the fields watching their flocks. They wouldn't have been out in December. That's just the day that we've chosen to recognize it on today but Jesus Christ who was God's son was born into this world lived a sinless life and then he could do that because he was God he never sinned and yet he was crucified on a cross not suffering for his own sins but he was punished for ours but when he was buried when he was crucified our hopes of salvation of an inheritance in heaven our hopes of 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 something in heaven that would be safe and secure and reserved in heaven. That wasn't crucified on the cross. It wasn't crushed by the cross. Our hopes in having an inheritance with God in heaven wasn't wasn't sealed in a tomb. Here's why. Because three days later, through his resurrection, Jesus Christ, the one who was born in the manger demonstrated historical fact that can be proven listen to me, demonstrated once and for all, beyond any doubt, by his resurrection, by rising from the dead that he is God, and that he really does possess the power to fulfill the promises that he makes to us because the main promise he said while he was here destroy this body this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Now I want to tell you, that's not an easy promise to make and keep. Kill me and watch me for three days and I'm coming back to life. And he did it. And let me just tell you this. The people who are watching him die, who literally, physically watched him die, the apostles, there there were also antagonistic witnesses People who didn't like him, Roman soldiers, Jewish authorities, they saw him die. Roman soldiers who crucified so many Jewish citizens that the forests were stripped bare. In one period of time, about the life of Jesus, there were over 33,000 Jewish young men crucified. They ran out of trees. Those men knew how to crucify a man. They knew how to kill somebody. And they knew he was dead. And they took him down, and they not only took him down, they put him in a tomb, and they sealed it, and then the Jewish authorities came and said, listen, this this jokester said while he was alive, crucify me, and I'm going to rise from the dead. So, set a seal over that tomb. Now, and so they did. They set a seal and a Roman guard. And I always love it when the when the Roman guard come back to the authority and they say, uh, they tell them what happened. That an angel came and shook the ground and rolled the stone away, and he was gone. Now, the angel didn't roll that stone away to let Jesus out. They just rolled the stone away to show that he was already gone. <laughs> he was the Lord of glory. And, and, the, and they looked at him, and, and, and the Jewish authorities said, and it's in the Scriptures, the Jewish authorities said, uh, will you just tell him uh, that uh, while you were sleeping, while you were sleeping, his disciples came and stole the body away. And, uh, that, uh, you know, that that's that's so hilarious. That would be so defeated in a court of law? and one, I could defeat it with one question. If you were asleep, how do you know who stole the box? I mean, how, how do you know who? Stole it? And, and, and the fact is, they didn't. And the fact is, nobody did. Because they began to see Jesus Christ walking around, crucified, the one alive, now risen, still got the scars in his hands, still got the scars on his brow but now he's alive he's not wounded and tattered and beaten he's gloriously risen and everybody who sees him says surely this must be the son of God now listen Jesus Christ demonstrated by his resurrection from the dead once and for all beyond any doubt for any honest individual willing to look at history that he is God that He really did possess the power and still does to fulfill the promises He makes to us. What kind of promises? Promises that He'll change our lives. Promises that He'll guide us. Promises that He will walk with us side by side through the most difficult struggles we have. Promises that He can cause good to emerge from terrible personal challenges and problems that we face. Promises that He will grant to us eternal life in heaven if we trust in him. The resurrection of Jesus is an actual physical recorded event in history with multiple witnesses who were willing to die rather than say, no, we just kind of were making it up, hoping we could start a new religion. No, 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 no. These people, they said, we'll chop your head off if you don't admit that this is a lie. And they said, you may chop my head off but i will promise you i saw him i touched him i ate with him he is alive cut it off because i will die before i will renounce what i saw over 500 people at one time secular historians secular historians read this and wrote about it and saw the events and the and and and, and, and yet somebody in today's society the thing that kills me we watch a five minute YouTube video and call ourselves atheists. And we haven't even read the Bible. We haven't even read one book. The resurrection sealed Christ's identity as being the God who loves us and is committed to helping us and saving us. Why? Because he came into this world And he lived as one of us to save us and died as one of us to save us. And one day, guess what he's going to do? He's going to take us home to heaven with him. And if you have that, and you know he's already there and he's already led the way, you can have hope through anything. Hebrews 6.19 says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Notice the next few words. Firm and secure. You want an anchor for your soul? the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, but listen now. Listen to me. I like fish. And I learned something one time when I was fishing. Your anchor is only as good as what it's anchored to. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> That's right. If you anchor to something good, you can sink your boat, can't you, Sam? I guarantee you. I just say because I know he's a fisherman. Buddy, I anchored onto something one time. I don't know what I was anchored to, but it was solid. And the water, I was behind a dam fishing. I didn't let out enough rope between where my anchor was fixed and where my boat was, so that anchor rope was pretty straight down. That water started rising, and guess what started happening? My boat started about to sink. But I've seen guys anchor out water rise a little bit, their anchors move, and the boat moves, and the anchor moves, as so the water flows, that's where they go, and why? Because they probably anchored into some sand or some mud. The anchor is only as good as what it's attached to. And Paul says, excuse me, the writer of Hebrews says, we have this hope, the hope of the resurrection, as an anchor for our souls. Hope hope, in and of itself now, hope, really doesn't have any power whatsoever. Let me let me give you the logic. You can wish for something. You can hope for something. You might feel a little better about it. We can even fool ourselves sometimes into thinking everything's okay, but the only way that hope has any real power is when it is anchored in the one who not only came to this earth and claimed to be the virgin-born son of God, but also who proved it after three days in a tomb before many witnesses got up from the dead, walked out of death's clutches victorious, and ascended back to heaven where he has prepared a place for us. And that, and that alone is precisely where we should fix our hope. I put my faith not in me, not in this church, not I love this church and I love you, but my hope is not in you. My hope is not in me. I wouldn't trust my best five minutes to go to heaven. I'm not joking. I know me way too well. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And I tell you one thing, my faith that I will one day go to heaven, it isn't in what I do. It's it's because there is one who came and died for me, and praise God, he conquered the grave, he rose from the grave, and he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, if you put your faith in me, I will come again. And I will receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now I want to tell you, come what may in this world, it doesn't matter to me. I want a good life and I want a happy life and I want to live a long life, but I'll guarantee if it ends tomorrow, it ends ten years from now, I'll guarantee you, not on my merit, but on Jesus' merit, that I don't have to worry about it because, listen, Jesus has already, He's there. He's Prepared away, he's gone on before me, and that is precisely why those who follow Jesus Christ have hope. That's what, what is hope? The confident expectation that God is both willing and able to fulfill every promise He's ever made, and the greatest promise He ever made was to send His Son and to let his son be killed and to resurrect his son and if he kept that buddy if he let his own son be crucified I tell you that was a promise he made and he kept it and I'm telling you if he was willing and able to keep those he will be willing and able to keep and fulfill every promise he has ever made to us we are just about seems so weird how Christmas, and you're building all up to it, and today, you watch it, you watch it, the whole focus will shift to the new year, we're about to enter a whole new year, a whole new year out there, laid out in front, 2017, nobody in this room guarantees that you'll be here tomorrow, none of us, I want to give you a chance. 2017 assured of your future with the confident expectation that if you will follow Jesus Christ, He will fulfill every promise He has ever made to you. Wouldn't you like to have that going into 2017? Let me give you a chance to do that. Let's pray. With our heads bowed and kind of let's take a moment and just apply this message let's just think through it a little bit if you are not certain about your eternity you can be forgiven today that's why Jesus came to bring peace and hope and salvation to you and to me and I need it and every one of us need it just as bad as anybody here and none of us better than the other I'll guarantee you that there's only one good here and that's Jesus but God will hear you if you pray to him he loved you enough to send his son but let him be crucified and raised for you he loves you he'll hear you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you're not absolutely certain about that, I would encourage you to pray a prayer, something like this. You could pray from your heart, meaning it now to Him, you could pray something like this, Father, I'm not so sure about the future. According to the Bible, I should have been punished instead of Jesus. But I do believe that Jesus died as my substitute in my place to pay for the sins that I've committed. And I believe he was raised again. And on him I base my hope for heaven. So right now, Lord. I receive your free gift of forgiveness. Right now, I receive, I ask you, for the gift of eternal life. Please save me and forgive me. Jesus. all this place right now, just with our heads bowed, just another moment and we'll be finished. If you just prayed that prayer and you really, really meant it, could you just look right up, maybe, and make eye contact with me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. Could you just look right up at me? If that was you, just look until I make eye contact with you. Anybody, you prayed at me. Father, I'm not so sure about the future. I don't know what it will bring, but I know and I believe that Jesus is alive. And I believe that He will keep His promises to me. So, Lord, I will face the future. With my hope anchored Help me to do that more. To have my anchor in him. Not in people, not in stuff, not in me. I want to anchor my soul in Christ. Strengthen me, Lord, and may this year be a year where I follow you more and more. risen Lord we pray we're going to sing